Blog Welcome to FanCast. Fan In the midst of a tiring and rather dull offseason, we will break down the slight developments of Philly's news and why the market is taking so long to develop. On the eve of Philly's legend Roy Halliday's Hall of Fame announcement, Coy and I will reveal our top five Phillies pitchers of all time. With the possibility looming of losing out on Machado and Harper, there are free agents out on the market that could still punch the Phils a playoff spot. All of this and more on the newest episode of FanCast. Hold on, wait a minute. Minute, minute. Y'all thought I was finished. Whoa. When I bought an Aston Martin, y'all thought it was winning. Yeah. Checking on these, some like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rosé, this Captain, I'm Lieutenant. Hello and welcome into our fourth episode here on FanCast as part of the Baseball Podcast Network. Feel free to call in today at 845-277-9345 and head over to Stubyard for BPN10 to get all, all 10% off all purchases. We are now 81 days into the offseason without any signing of Harper or Machado, and we'll be breaking down why this market is taking so slow to develop a little later on in the show. But first, we are here for all of you live listening an hour away from Roy Halladay's induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, all listening, afterwards streaming it, he will already be a Hall of Famer. Halladay was one of the best Phillies pitchers of all time. In his tenure here, he went 55-29, and 29, had a 3-2-5 ERA. He, just one of the greatest Phillies pitchers to ever be acquired in a trade or free agent, and definitely a top all-time. So let's welcome in Isaac to tell you a little bit about Halladay's career, and just reminisce before Roy gets inducted into one of the greatest honors in baseball. Well, even though Roy Halladay only pitched four seasons in a Phillies uniform, he certainly left a legacy. He was the only the second pitcher ever to pitch a no-hitter in postseason history as he defeated the Cincinnati Reds in 2011 in the introductory NLDS. And with Carlos Ruiz's birthday today, It'll be happen to be the same day that Roy Halladay, his pitcher, will be inducted, will be chosen to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, Roy Halladay had many accomplishments with the Phillies. Um, he had four Cy Young Award awards. He was chosen to multiple All Star games, and I know his son and wife and all of his family come back to visit the Phillies year after year, and even though such a tragedy that happened about a year and a half ago now, he, he truly meant a lot to the Phillies organization after coming over from Toronto. Coy, how do you feel now a year and a half later that this is when Roy Halladay truly gets to be honored? Well, I just want to start off like speaking on behalf of the entire Phillies family. We all miss Roy dearly each and every day. On top of being a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher, he was a Hall of Fame guy off the field, teammates, anybody could ever have. You saw last year at his funeral several former Phillies, including Chase Sutley, Cole Hamels, his manager, Charlie Manuel, came in to just talk about what a guy that Roy was. And back last in the spring of 2017, Halliday addressed his Hall of Fame candidacy, um, which would be now in the future for then. He said, you know, it would obviously be a tremendous honor. I don't try and think about it honestly. You see guys get in that are deserving, and you see guys that are possibly deserving get in. It's a tough thing to figure out. 
It would be a tremendous honor. I just hope for the best. He was never a player who caught up in what a legend that he was. He was a workhorse, 67 career games. He led the league in complete games from 2007 to 2011. He was just one of the all-time guys in baseball. It was a tragedy to lose him, but now I'm very happy for Roy, his wife, two sons, and their whole family that they'll get to see him inducted in for an honor he most definitely deserves. Well, well, before seeing Roy Halladay being chosen for the Hall of Fame tonight, let's reflect back on how he came to the Phillies. In 2009, in mid-December, the Phillies traded Roy ha- for Roy Halladay for minor league prospects Travis Diarnav, Kyle Drabeck, and Michael E. Taylor. If you recognize Diarnav and Taylor, it is because they are still in the MLB today. So even they have not panned out as the top prospects that they were in the Philly system, but they were traded for Roy Halladay, who signed the contract extension directly after the trade. This turned out to be a genius move by Philly's general manager, Ruben Amaro Jr. He unsuccessfully attempted to get Holiday at the non-waiver trade deadline that year, but he followed through with making a trade with the sixth up north to acquire a future Phillies legend. And as we reflect back on his top performances, as I said, the no-hitter is up there. And like you said, tons of complete games. We haven't had a Phillies complete game by a pitcher in over two years since Ben Lively. And I tell you what, it seemed like every month Roy Halladay would just throw a complete game. What was your favorite performance of Roy Halladay's, Corey? I mean, obviously, the obvious answer is the perfect game or that no-hitter in the um, uh, postseason of 2011 or 2010, Roy's first year with the team. He won the Cy Young. It was just an unbelievable feat by Roy no-hitters in the same season, second ever player to throw a postseason no-hitter, as you said. But as Roy's career got on later with the Phillies, you saw his body begin to break down. He lost his stuff, lost velocity. And just each of those starts later on meant something special, seeing how Roy was still going out and grinding for the Phillies, trying to give them every last bit he had inside him, trying to be able to give a franchise that had traded and extended him give them any penny they spent on him. And it's just things like that that make Roy reminisce with me and several other Phillies fans as his character and his attitude towards the game was something that no manager, teammate, or fan would ever want anything but on their team. Even after hanging up the spikes in 2013 and Roy Halladay tailed off rather quickly, Phillies fans worked for Roy Halladay to join the Retired folks of Philly's legends, Philly's folklore, even though, as I said, only four short years on the team. Even so, he is often honored and recognized at Philly's alumni games. That usually happens on the first weekend back in August. And just talk about how historical Roy Halladay was for the Phillies, Coy. Uh, Let's talk about the top five Phillies pitchers in history. Who rounds out your list? Well, Roy does fall just short of my top five list. I had him at number six. Uh, Lefty Steve Carlton was number one, followed by Robin Roberts, Jim Bunning. It was a toss-up at four and five between Kurt Schilling and Cole Hamels. 
All five of those were great pitchers for the Phillies. And while Roy might have had two more dominant years than some of those players had, their tenure with the Phillies was a lot longer, um, several more seasons to do work. While their best year might have fell short of Roy's best, they still performed at a high level for a longer span of time. Cole Hamels was the World Series MVP. He brought home a championship for the Phillies, giving him a slight edge over Roy. And if we're talking most talented pitchers to play for the Phillies, Roy is definitely top two or three. But I think if you're looking at historically and taking the entire Phillies career, he falls just short due to how short his time in the red pinstripes was. I probably have to disagree with you. I actually do have Roy Halladay in my top five of Phillies all time. Number one, I agree, Steve Carlton, 10-time All-Star, four-time Cy Young winner, 275 strikeouts four times. Wow. Lefty was great. Uh, Jim Bunning, the first pitcher to throw a perfect game in both leagues, the National and American League. I have second on my list for Phillies pitchers. Um, Cole Hamels, I have number three, as you said, World Series MVP. Uh, I have in his number four, back in the 1920s. His stats are remarkable if you'd like to look them up. And at number five, I have Roy Halladay, the legend himself, a future Hall of Famer who will be selected tonight, hopefully. Um, as of yesterday, 53.1% of all ballots were recorded, and on 94% of those ballots, Roy Halladay was selected as a Hall of Famer. So it sure is looking rather good for – rather good chances for Roy Halladay to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just excited to see it, him being inducted in a few months as well. Um, as much as it brings tears to our eyes to reminisce over the memories of Roy Halladay, it's very, very, ha- a very happy thought to think about those years that Citizens Bank Park was filled, sold out for four years straight, and he was a big reason why it was sold out for that long. Well, like you said, it does bring a lot of sadness to reminisce over Roy in the following of his passing. But you just feel such joy for his family. He left a great legacy in those two kids, one of which his oldest will be going to Penn State to follow in Roy's footsteps and attempt to become a major league pitcher. And it's just a terrific honor for Roy to join such an elite class. And while he won't be here to visibly be able to see himself in, we know his family is so proud of him, watching everything that he put his body through in his 16-year career. He was one of these last of a dying breed of workhorse pitchers that would go out and wanted every single out in a game. You see now it's a pretty impressive a pitcher goes out and throws a complete game. Like you said, Ben Lively in 2017 was the last Philly to do it, and it seems like Roy did it time and time again. 67 overall. Uh, he led the league six times in complete games. He just was one of those guys that wanted to be the man and he showed that day in and day out. And we all miss him, but even though he's not going to enter the hall likely in a Phillies cap, it's definitely an honor for him and a happy moment for all the Phillies fans to see him rewarded. I agree, I agree. Um, he's a, certainly be a Phillies legend forever, even though only four years. Um, he took the ball that was given to him and, he didn't let anything get in his way. If you do recall in that 2011 NLDS game, 
he shook off Joey Votto, first baseman of the Cincinnati Reds. He called time two or three times during the at-bat during the perfect game to try to throw off Roy Halladay's thinking, his mentality. But still, he was yet to get to allow a hit in that game. And it is just so remarkable to think of how mentally strong Roy Halladay was up until the, t- the time of his death. And it, it, I remember the day that he died. I couldn't believe it. My jaw dropped when I saw the headline. What did you think when you first saw the news of the tragedy of Roy Halladay? It was obviously a sad day. He, anytime you lose not just a celebrity, an athlete, anyone at such a young age at such a tragic accident, there's nothing to feel but sadness, just overall. It's hard to put into words the feeling losing someone that meant as much as Roy did to not just the Phillies, not just the Blue Jays, but the game of baseball in general. And to describe what you think, he was a great pitcher, a great guy. I hope he'll be inducted into the Phillies' wall of fame. It's another honor he definitely deserves. He probably, we've looked at it from the Phillies' point of view, uh, most likely the best pitcher in Blue Jays' history in minds of their fans. So now we finally get to see Roy rewarded. He never was able to win a World Series title but hopefully this is a good enough consolation prize to honor his legacy and career by inducting him into Cooperstown. Yes, as you said, um, his, let's just talk about some of his pitches real quick. Uh, he had a four-seam fastball that wasn't overpowering. Uh, it was in the low 90s. He had a curveball and that cut fastball, that signature cut fastball that is probably will go down as one of the best cutters in history next to Mariano Rivera, obviously, who will also be chosen today, most likely. Hopefully and now, uh, now, as we say, out of the Roy Halladay segment, we want to let you know to purchase tickets at Stubyard with the, fa- with the fan cast password or c- keyword BPN10 if you want to get tickets for any sporting event. And then call in to fan cast to talk Phillies baseball at 845 277 Nine three four five. Hi. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. We discuss everything New York Yankees rumors, speculation, and anything you want to hear about the New York Yankees. We discuss the Adam Vino signing and the best bullpen in baseball. We talk about Sonny Gray and his move to Cincinnati. We talk about the Hall of Fame and Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and their candidacy. And we talk about Nolan Arenado, his, his impending free agency, and how the Yankees will be interested in the superstar. All this and much more on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk, this Wednesday at 5. If you're a Yankee fan, or even a baseball fan, tune in to Pinstripe Talk. See you there. Throughout the course of the offseason, it has become quite evident that it is a player's market. After previous offseasons having indicated that different teams' management would have full control of the 2019 free agent market, all has faded away with the arrival of megastars Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Or shall we say, Dan Lozano and Scott Boris. These two agents have prepared their clients for a monstrous financial gain with the loss of excitement for us MLB fans. 
While we await to see the thoughts of arrival for these superstars, we lose interest during the waiting game. However, these superstars profit, which, is a, which lays an imposing question on the MLB offseason, which must be inquired. Should there be a deadline for free agency? Coy, what are your thoughts on a deadline for free agency? Uh, the simple answer to that is no. There can't be a deadline for free agency because it generally there's no realistic way of making that work. Baseball went into this offseason with over 120 MLB free agents. And while not all of them were signed, all of them have that opportunity. And it's unfair to rob some of those lower-level guys of that opportunity to sign just because we are too impatient to wait out these big contracts. And while it is holding up the market and that is an issue to a certain degree, baseball does not focus their attention on what is most pleasing to the fan. They want to be able to reward the players who have dedicated their whole life to this craft, and they want to get them the money they deserve while also preserving uh, openings financially for their team, which is their number one priority. So deadline per se, as in everyone must sign by this date, there could be some certain things that could be done to speed it up, sense that a certain player could change the market, as, ha- as Harper and Machado have done in a negative way this offseason by waiting each other out, letting one of them set the tone for trying to top each other. But I don't think there's any possible way that we could have a real cap or limit as when you could sign a certain player. But the Phillies are, have those interests in those two top players as Roy and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, but they have held up that the free agency as well. Also waiting out on guys like Mike Moustakis, AJ Pollock, backup options to see what they will do if they lose out on such players or Bryce Harper. So it's tough to be able to tell how this is all going to unfold in the sense that, Harper and Machado's decision, whichever comes first, most likely Machado, dictates how the rest of the offseason unfolds. But how do you see the offseason unfolding this year and in the next set of years going forward? Well, well, uh, caliber uh, of MLB, MLB superstars MLB certainly doesn't certainly stop, doesn't here, stop here, here. After this season, we, there is several free agents to come out at a superstar level. Like you said, Nolan Arenado, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, all guys coming out in the next two to three years. Chris Bryant, another. Guys who will be demanding these similar $200 million contracts. And it is a problem for baseball. Fighting in each way possible to grab attention from basketball and baseball. And, bat- and football, we saw this offseason in the NBA. Free agents were signing left and right. Top free agent Paul George signed minutes after the free agency was available at a party of Russell Westbrook's. LeBron James, one of the top two basketball players in NBA history, signed five days afterwards. So when we see these players of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado's caliber not at that level, waiting out much longer, it has become dull and boring to the public eye. But inside, the Phillies have keep things 
quite shut. We don't have a lot of insight into what they're doing and what their mindset is, despite the attention surrounding them. But it is tough to see how this will unfold in the future. I don't think there's any logistics shot of Mike Trout or Chris Ryan in December in the next following years, especially when so much of the league is represented by super agent Scott Boris, a man known to fight for every penny he can for his free agents. And in a league dictated in a way by um, Boris, you don't see him bending at any time soon to please the public eye. Uh, no, I do not. I do not. Scott Boris Scott is Boris obviously is the premier agent right now. He seems to be the best at his job. I can't see him dropping any clients anytime soon. He has many of the big name, big names, such as our own Reese Hoskins uh, next offseason. There are also on, under the radar free agents, such as Anthony Rendon. And I don't see Scott Boris or agents like him uh, letting up anytime soon. Even though there is a waiting game to be played, I just can't see the players letting any money out the window because of, because of reasons of the fans. Unless there is a deadline that will be passed, which I don't see happening anytime soon. Um, it is obviously a player's market, as I said much earlier. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are commanding all the attention around, around um, the MLB. Through MLB The Show, Bryce Harper is generating revenue daily by the growing suspense that they are building up throughout their social media. Manny Machado... Has, put, has pulled some publicity stunts, it seems, following the Yes Network and different Yankees players around, New Year, around Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, even though it seems that the Yankees are sort of out of the Machado race at this time. Coy, it definitely is a player's market right now. It is a player's or even agent's market, and I don't see that ha- changing anytime soon. I agree with you, but while it's for now, and it's a struggle for fans at the moment. Once we reach March and April, if we let this unfold, mixing these players around is what's best for baseball. Manny Machado signing with the Yankees would have drawn a huge interest from the public eye outside of the general baseball fan. And I don't think the Yankees are fully out on him yet. I think Brian Cashman might be waiting around to jump in last second. They still have my pick to sign Machado. That'll be great for baseball and their marketing to show one of their top premier players on arguably the most historic team in all of sports. Bryce Harper going to a stadium where he could hit 45 home runs and be an MVP candidate for the next five to six years is great for baseball. Mike Troutman joining him is great for baseball. So while right now it is a struggle, if you're looking at the long run, these players heading out, diversing their opportunities, being mobile the same way that it has in the NBA, and they're peaking in their ratings and success right now, that is the same which will come to baseball, who is changing up minor rules, doing everything they can to get another viewer, another fan, fill seats in the ballpark. And you can bet that once these guys do sign, the stadiums they are playing in will be packed as they wait to see how these new superstar players will affect their team. So while we can't be too impatient now, because we're going to enjoy the result in the months to follow. I totally agree with you. While it has been frustrating for fans to keep up with rumors for the past couple of months, 
the excitement that is built up will double or even triple or even more even than more that, than after, that the, after the, the signings of Harper and Machado. Fans will will celebrate of the fans of the team that signs Harper and Machado will celebrate and all the waiting will pay off, I believe, for Phillies fans whenever Harper signs with Philadelphia. Um, as you said, Trout and Harper in the same outfield someday in the coming future would be huge for baseball. Um, it is, although it seems hard for many fans to see that happening, it seems quite like like the, the odds in Vegas are for Trout coming to the Phillies. And uh, I don't know. In a few years, can you see a Harper and Trout outfield duo? If Mike Trout hits open free agency, he will get a historic contract, and I think that will be with the Phillies. He is obviously a big New Jersey guy, owns Eagles season tickets. He was born and raised in Millville, close out of Philly. The issue is I don't think – Mike Trout will ever hit the open market. He is, at the end of his career, he will be the greatest baseball player of all time. He statistically is one scoring pass legends that have played before him. The Angels aren't going to let him just slip by. I don't think an extension will get done this year. Next offseason, it's possible before he hits that open market the following winter. And if he does, the Phillies seem like the likely option. It just seems so unlikely that the Angels would let go of a player of his historic value go, and he is the only thing keeping them in relevance. Playing in the same city as a team that's gone to the World Series two years in a row, losing out of Mike Trout would all but knock the Angels out off the map. And and Bryce Harper and Mike Trout would be a great sight for Phillies fans to have. It'd be great for baseball, and it's definitely a possibility. It's just one I don't see happening as much as many other fans and reporters do. Well, I agree in the sense that in most teams' cases, they would attend, be successful in locking up one of the best players in baseball. However, Mike Trout is an avid Philadelphia sports fan. He grew up in Millsville, New Jersey, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Outside of Philadelphia. He loves the Eagles. He has season tickets. He seems to show up to every big game. Um, he was seen at an Eagles game earlier this year where a player was holding up a Phillies Mike Trout jersey. So there seems to be recruiting going on two years in advance. It seems that all the hype built up. If he does reach free agency, he will most likely be a Philadelphia Philly. He will be a Philadelphia Philly if he reaches free agency. Don't get me wrong. It's just if the Angels are able to lure him in for that possible 400 to $500 million contract extension, it's hard to see any type of person turning down 400 to $500 million. And he definitely is the main priority of the, of the Angels front office, their general manager. Not a lot of on that roster outside of Mike Trout, so you know they're financially saving up to offer Mike Trout that historic deal. They've brought in a lot of help this offseason, all guys on one-year deals, low-risk, high-reward type of options. So they are setting up to make a couple of runs in the near future to make Mike Trout a competitive baseball player. And that's talking about what baseball needs. That is what baseball truly needs. They need to show off their best player at the highest level and the highest platform for everyone to see. 
Mike Trout's only been to the MLB playoffs once in his six-year career. If baseball truly wants to compete with basketball and football, they need to show off their top player, their top legend in the playoffs. The same way that Bryce Harper coming to Philly, getting them to the playoffs, would level out a great showing for all of baseball fans. It's what baseball truly needs to have premiere their best players in the highest audience viewing. And I truly think that will, at one point, be Mike Trout reach the playoffs um, and hopefully a World Series, whether it be with the Angels, hopefully with the Phillies. Bryce Harper will carry a team to the, the World Series in the next 10 years. You can bank on that. And that's truly what's best for baseball, talking about this free agency and this ice-cold market. I agree. I agree. And as we talk about MLB free agency, we also have to bring up the fact that this isn't the first time the player uh, that we've had to wait this long for players. If you recall last year, J.D. Martinez was in a similar stance as the Phillies are with Bryce Harper. They seem to be the, the only team least for now, that is truly interested in Harper. And if you recall, Boston was the only team truly interested in J.D. Martinez, whose agent is Scott Boris. They are in about a month-long standoff before, shortly before spring training, they came upon a two-year agreement. So as much as baseball fans and Philly fans hate to wait, they seem to be in a recognizable spot, at least in poor, at least in poor situations. And if you recall, Jake Arrieta was signed late March. He didn't have much time to prepare for the season. He wasn't ready for his first slot in the rotation. In the beginning of the season, he had to become adjusted to the pitching staff, the catchers, all the things that represent the Phillies organization. And I think even though that it is extremely frustrating to wait for Machado and Harper, the benefits of maybe signing a less lucrative contract might benefit the Phillies in the long run. So one month might mean a few more years or less money that had to be necessarily spent on Bryce Harper. 100% right. We can hurt now to win later. Don't take that Ruben approach and sign every guy that wants you to a huge deal. Call into FanCast 845-277-9345. And we will be heading into our final discussion over all the other free agency notes and off-season moves right after this network advertisement on FanCast. Join us for our Amazing Mets podcast, 7 p.m. Thursday. We're going to be interviewing Stephen Villainous, one of the top pitchers in the Mets farm system. And we're going to talk about his rise in the Mets farm system and how he continues. He will look to continue his progress. Um, we will also talk about the Mets free agency situation, if whether or not they will pick up another reliever or an outfielder, or if they will just remain pat. Um, spring training is coming soon, and pitchers and catchers will be reporting to spring training very, very soon. All of that and more will be discussed by me and my partner Jake, 7 p.m. Thursday. Make sure you don't miss it. So while we said the Phillies are on a dull stretch in this MLB offseason, 
players, Aaron Nola came out today and said, we will get Manny or Bryce. Reese Hoskins has said he has a gut feeling that the Phillies will assign one of the two. And while many Phillies fans are hung up in either of those two players signing, the front office is doing a good job keeping their options open. It was reported during the week that Josh Harrison and Mike Moustakis are both possibilities if the Phillies go the Harper route and don't sign Manny Machado, if they need a hole to be filled in that infield, either one of those two are realistic options. So, Isaac, what do you think about the possible signing of Mike Moustakis? Well, to be quite honest with you, I think it would be a touch-off of foolish, simply because of Moustakis' age and how much older he is than Michael Franco, who he would be replacing. The main reason to sign Moustakis to replace Franco would have to be that simply he's a left-handed bat. If you look at their splits, their numbers are not all that much different. Moustakis is slightly higher in slugging and OPS+. plus, But other than that, batting average, Michael Franco has a large advantage on base percentage slightly as well. I think Michael Franco is definitely has more upside for the Phillies going forward, especially on the defensive side. We've seen Michael flash the glove as well as make quite a few errors. However, Moustakis has never been a notable defender, never made really any huge highlight plays, which is why I think that Mike Moustakis signing him simply because he's a lefty, um, I don't think that would be the best move for the Phillies. How about you? I don't think anything long-term would be a great idea. They have top prospect Alec Boat coming up in the near future. Michael Franco is still a very good possibility that he turns out to be a solid player. I think he had a good bounce back here in 2018, a lot of potential, went through a couple stretches that made you worry some of his future, but also times where you thought this could be the guy, this will be our third baseman for the next five to seven years. If it was on a short two-year deal, maybe keeping the money low, it would make some sense to add him at a veteran bat into the lineup. It doesn't make the most sense to me. I like the possibility. But if we're going to spend about $30 million on Keuchel and Moustakis, it makes more sense to me to just go out and add Manny Machado. I don't think that we need to use it on those two combined. Hopefully Dallas a little less. But the possibility of Josh Harrison is one that I do like on a short one- or two-year deal. He could play that utility role that Gabe Kapler has tried Scott Kingery in. Josh Harrison is definitely declining in his career, which is why a one- to two-year deal is the best option. And I think that would be an interesting fit. He would be a guy that could fill in the holes during injuries, which we saw hurt the Phillies last year. J.P. Crawford suffered many injuries throughout the year. Cesar then broke his left foot, had to play on that foot, just to fill in a void so there was enough infielders to man the team. So that would add a lot more depth. It add a lot more veteran leadership in the clubhouse. I think Josh Harrison is a good guy. He's a good leader, a good base runner, and he's a personal fan favorite of mine for players outside of Philly. I like him a lot. I wouldn't mind bringing him in, but anything longer than one or two years front office. I agree. I think Josh Harrison would actually be as close to a perfect fit for him at this point in his career. Um, he would obviously be used off the bench at this point. And I think we should sign him to a one-year prove-it deal. 
Um, the reason for this is the Phillies lack base running, great base running. Their go-to base runner seemed to be Scott Kingry, a rookie last year. And even though he was fast, um, that is not the best. That is not the best option for the Phillies. So, with the presence of Josh, the presence of Josh Harrison, I, I think the Phillies could could cover the could cover the the holes that were certainly open last year by the injuries of J.P. Crawford. And now that we learned about Cesar Hernandez, he certainly would help with depth. Definitely would. While Moustakis and Harrison aren't the ideal signings that fans are waiting for, they could be good moves by the front office, add a little more depth. Uh, we have a hefty mailbag for today, so let's head to our producer, Benson, with our first question of the night. All right, first question is from Jack. How big was the pauses pickup? I believe that the pickup of James Pazos, the left-handed relief pitcher from the Seattle Mariners, and the deal for Gene Segura was a pretty big pickup for the Phillies. He gives them the lefty specialist that they've been waiting for. They tried to acquire in Luis Avalon last year at the waiver deadline at the end of end of August. He will hopefully cover up the hole that. Phillies fans have been waiting for to be filled, which is a solid lefty reliever that you can rely on to come in, cover at least 60 games a year, 60 appearances. To be able to have a lefty specialist come in and knock out a power lefty hitter near the ends of games, it truly adds a new presence to the Phillies bullpen. And that's why he's one of the reasons why I believe the Phillies have the bullpen with the most potential in National League. So, Benson, for the next question. Josh wants to know, when will Bryce Harper sign? Um, I don't think there's a guaranteed timetable on when he will sign. It could be soon, as soon as the next two weeks, more likely in a month or even longer. Forrest is known to wait his time. He'll get every penny he can. Harper is the most talented um free agent we've seen since Alex Rodriguez. He's going to get the largest contract in baseball history. There's no urgency to sign him. It looks like to be a declining market. The Phillies seem like the the team that will sign him. So let's just wait it out, get a good deal. Don't overpay in a sense. And he'll sign within. So Benson, let's head back with our third question. Matt asks, are you guys a fan of the DH? Um, personally, I am not the biggest fan of the DH. I think that it should never have been instituted into the American League. But at this point, there is certainly no going back with the presence of it in the American League. I believe it should be as is right now, uh, the National League staying with pitchers. I believe it provides strategy for the managers, and I truly enjoy seeing hitters pitch and having managers maneuver their way around the later innings with without a DH, unlike the American League, where managers seem to have it a little bit easier. Next question, Benson. Will oh, wants to know, cool. who will be the 2019 MLB champs? It's tough to say already. We'll definitely have an episode where we'll predict our 
division and award winners point right now based off of what I think will happen following the rest of the offseason. I would have to lean towards the New York Yankees to win the World Series in 2019. They've added a lot of talent. They've locked up pitchers like James Paxton um, to help solidify that rotation. It'll be tough as a fan to watch them win it all, but I think Manny Machado will also land there. They'll make a couple more moves at the deadline. CD will be back. So I think at this time next year, we'll be talking who will knock off the Yankees in the 2020 season. So, Benson, let's have our next All right, this is our last question. It's from AJ. Should the Phillies pursue Pollock if they lose out on Harper? Um, This is a very, very interesting question. Um, AJ Pollock, his problem has never been performance on the field. It has been his injury proneness. And he he was a perennial MVP candidate at the All-Star break for the last two or three years, but Unfortunately, he happened to get injured each of the past several years. So because of that, there seems to be a stop in the market, not just because of Harper being on the market, but because of him being injury-prone. And it's hard to judge what, what the length of the contract that Pollock should get. I believe he is looking for somewhere in the five- to six-year range, whereas most teams probably are looking in the two- to four-year range, probably two to three. So, Coy, what are your thoughts on Pollock? This is an interesting take. I think that he's going to end up signing with the Dodgers. I don't think that – I can't picture him in a Phillies uniform. I don't think it's a move that's likely to happen. It's a He's a good player. He would be nice to add to the team. But the Dodgers are a team that has a lot more depth and could be able to escape an injury that he might have, whereas it would hurt the Phillies more on a day-to-day basis. I think he's a perfect fit for the Dodgers, adds a right-handed bat to a hefty lefty lineup. So I think that's where he will sign. He'd be a nice player to add, but I don't think it being a realistic option. Just a couple other headlines from the week. Um, The Phillies' dream is Harper and Trout. Manny Machado's dad said that the Phillies, Yankees, and Dodgers had made an offer, and the White Sox were now showing – serious interest and the one that was most interesting to me was that Gabe Kapler and Bryce Harper hit it off during the meeting that Bryce Harper had with the Phillies Um, if you know what I'm referring to here I could see that them hitting it off was similar to that Geico commercial where it's two guys working out getting absolutely swole Kapler and Harper are both intense guys loving uh, to eat right work out I think they're a perfect duo very similar personalities. Gabe Kapler, very controversial with Phillies fans right here. And from a fan's point of view, I'd love to see Gabe Kapler and Manny Machat and Bryce Harper together. It'd be some funny moments, some funny uh, post-game interviews with Kapler's over-the-top positivity and just some funny ways they could play off each other when Harper eventually signs with the Phillies. Uh, it'd be something, one that seems... Gabe Kapler being the one to take the helmet off of Bryce Harper every time he hits a home run. <laughs> uh, I can see Gabe Kapler, as you said, being all positive with Bryce Harper. They are quite alike when you think about it. Both are gritted out, grinded out type guys. Pretty positive. And hopefully at this time, within the next six weeks, when it's less than a month now until, now until 
pitchers and catchers report, we'll see Bryce Harper on in a Phillies uniform. Now, from me and Coy, I'd like to thank you for joining us on FanCast. Coy, anything you'd like to say? Just for 15 minutes away, congrats to Roy Halladay on his induction to the Hall of Fame. Hopefully also congratulating Mariano Rivera on being the first ever player to unanimously get in. Not sure if that'll hope it happen, but I'm hoping it will. Um, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to come back next week. And go Phils. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought her ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was Rennie. Checking on these. Some like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose is catching on is produced by Benson Fector. FanCast is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. Koi at Koi's Dimal. That's Z-D-I-M-A-L. And Isaac at Philly's Focus with a P-H. Be sure to give the FanCast account a follow on Instagram as well at FanCastBPM. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.